0: All right, hey everyone, welcome. Uh, Robert Kress, Functional Pharmacist from FunctionalPharmacy.com and RobKress.com and welcome to the Functional Pharmacy podcast and webcast. So doing this in both audio and video and what I want to talk to you today, um, we're just gonna kind of riff on this for a little bit, uh, macros, macronutrients, meaning proteins, carbs, and fats. And it seems like it's always kind of a a big point of confusion. There's a lot of questions out there. Um, You start to see diets, which some people will call fad diets. Uh, You also start to see recommendations from mental bodies or whatever that might be a little mal-aligned. You know, for that instance, I would say how they always used to say low-fat was the best for the heart and margins better than butter and yada, yada, yada. So, you know... uh, I, I'm not one of fat diets, and I think what we've had the benefits of learning, uh, since early 2000s maybe, was to question what has been served up to us, no pun intended. Uh, recognizing like, what was it Dr. Ron Rosedale? Um, you know, there was the Miami Beach diet and all those like low carb high protein diets. But then Rosedale came out uh, with the Rosedale diet in the early 2000s, and what he really spot, put the spotlight on was healthy fats and the benefit of healthy fats. So I thought it was pretty huge. So now what has been big is kind of the the primal and uh, the paleo type diets, which, you know, some of it is good and some of it is not so good, meaning I think some people distort a lot of the messages that go through there. So let's, you know, my my... I guess we can go with my overall um, belief in all this, is that there's not one perfect ratio for one person. Everyone's different. It depends on their genetics. It depends. And and I'll get into the genome on this one, because what is dependent is the little variances we have, the little mutations that might have. But our genetic recipe... As humans, is pretty much the same that it was 160,000 years ago, and that plays a role. That matters. But it also, you know, our um, energy expenditure. Some people work out a lot, some not. And I'm going to talk about things like um, the ketogenic diet in the realms of, like, CrossFit, like a very high-intense workout, because, once again, you've got some schools of thought say, no, not for that. No ketogenics for that, but let's look at the research, right? Um, the way the body can create glycerol, and use that as a carbohydrate source in low-carbohydrate diets, as well as gluconeogenesis. So there is a difference. Now, my personal belief, I think what we should strive for is metabolic flexibility. What does that mean? It means we're not a slave to our food. We're not a slave to our macros. We're able to unlock within ourselves calories from our own natural fat stores in times when we need it. That's how we were designed I mean that's that's primarily aligned man and woman basically you know if you look back to the hunter-gatherer and you know let me bring this up real quick because I think when you we can look at evolution as a big thing understanding that 160,000 years ago we had the same genetic code and during that time of these years of hunter-gatherer up until about 10,000 years ago we were we we were really healthy and strong and our we didn't live super long because of the rigors of the day, it was a very dangerous life. Although scientists and researchers in our college, archaeologists and all that believe that primal man and woman of those days a hunter-gatherer before 10,000 years ago would have lived to their like 90s, easy, if not more, if we had the, you know and we're in the modern day age now where we've we stopped trying not to die, you know and, and that trying to die made our genes stronger. We had these stressors, environmental stressors, the challenges of the day or running away from a tiger and all that stuff that made us stronger. It literally was the survival of the fittest, but it really is the survival of the fittest no more. It's an important factor. I keep saying this 10,000 years ago and a quick step into that, I'm not going to belabor it. But about 10,000 years ago, we started um, through growing stuff. We started agriculture. Excuse me. It was the advent of civilization, We found a way we didn't have to keep moving around, around the world. We didn't have to like, okay, no more food here. Let's pick up and move. Uh, Climates are changing. Let's pick up and move. What happened was we were able to grow grains. We figured this out and we were able to store them. So it would keep us stationary, build enough hut, a hut that would keep us warm and dry. We're good. We started raising animals. So there's domestication of animals. We didn't have to, you know, animals aren't here anymore. We got to move. No, we could raise them ourselves. The problem is everything changed. Like with the grains, we had more insulin stimulation. Now, I'm not saying no grains. People can eat grains. Not everyone can eat grains. You can choose not to eat grains. There's, There's nutritional value found in grains that you can find other places. So grains are convenient. They're for storage. They don't spoil. You know, I, I could tell you that. I mean, I'm still trying to learn in my own kitchen, like, how to cook stuff so it doesn't spoil too fast. So I'm not throwing out half the stuff I just got in the grocery store. So with the animals, that really changed the whole macro of the animal, especially fats. Um, think about it, Wild animals, very lean, less saturated fat. It actually has some good, healthy omega-3 fatty acids to it. You go to these modern-day uh, animals that are raised through the confined animal feeding operations, which are pumped up with hormones antibiotics they're not allowed to exercise they're not grass-fed they're not free-range and uh, they got an unhealthy fat that's to them so all that stuff is just piled and more has piled into our food system which has really led to a lot of the metabolic condition and issues that we have today so now if we're going to look at ratios let's take a quick look at that and so modern day today I got this. I'm just actually pulling up the numbers here. Uh... All right. So, total food energy, current U.S. diet, 51% carbohydrates, 32% fat, 15.4% protein. Total food energy of the hunter-gatherer diet, carbohydrates... 22 to 40%. So on the low end, more than half less, right? But up to 40, still lower. Fat, 28 to 58%. At one point, almost double on the high end. And on the low end, pretty much equal to what it is today. Protein, 19 to 35%. So certainly higher than than it was today. Now, there are some schools of thoughts that we might be consuming too much protein now anyway, or we can get, not we, but we can consider, like, we don't need that much. Like Ron Rosedale, another great source of that, he has actually spoken about how we can get by probably on like a half gram, as low as a half gram per pound of lean body mass for the whole building and repairing that we need. I think a lot of schools of thoughts can bring us into about 0.75, and that's a healthy one. So the thought here is, <clears throat> how does the body work and how does So we have become sugar burners. Um, Our bodies are designed to burn fat as its primary fuel. It's been that way for thousands and thousands of years. We feed fat, we can metabolize fat. So what happens is when we have these ratios, the body does look at sugar as a poison, a toxin. And when you consume any carbohydrate, like I'm saying good carbs, bad carbs. So I'm saying a piece of bread, or I'm also saying a fruit. I'm not talking about the value of fiber. I'm not talking about the value of antioxidants or the down value of refined versus whole grain because it all pours into a sugar. So that sugar hits the bloodstream and the body's like, you know what? I only about, want about a teaspoon flowing through at a time. I'm going to get it out of there. I'm going to throw some insulin its way. going to take it, going to remove it. It's going to be healthy for me. So if we keep doing that, we get into insulin resistance. And when our insulin's too high, it will lock our fat stores so we can't utilize them. And that's part of the weight gain issue. That's part of uh, bad lipid balances like high triglycerides and stuff like that. So this is the reason for the idea of a lower than normal insulin-stimulating diet or carbohydrate. When I say normal, I just mean average for the day. So then the other idea is, okay, so there's something called the carbohydrate curve for body mass. So on average, 100 to 150 grams a day is to maintain weight. 150 above, we're starting to gain weight. We're starting to lead to inflammation. This is on average. Insulin resistance, stuff like that. 300 above, forget it. You know, we're just going down the wrong road. Between 50 and 100, that's weight loss. 50 to zero, that's when we can get into like creating ketones now when we create ketones they're a source of energy so let's look at our primary sources of energy right that's what a calorie is it's energy so carbohydrates fats proteins fats come in as the most efficient because it's got the most calories carbohydrates proteins they share the same and then ketones are in there now ketones we don't consume them we can we can get ox- exogenous ketones but our body can also create them now you hear a lot of big stuff about the ketogenic diet people doing it I, don't, I like to look at evolution, and we've been designed for optimally metabolic flexibility, meaning if we need to dip into a ketogenic state by eating primarily aligned, a fat burn diet, then we can step into ketogenics if we need to. And ketones are powerful, powerful chemicals in our body. Uh, they're great anti-inflammatories. They've shown to have anti-cancer activity, anti-eleptic anti- activity. They believe they probably be the most potent anti-inflammatory compared to any drug on the market so what happens is when we have high fat and low carbohydrate through the metabolism of the liver we start creating these ketones right now it is a way to burn fat and it's a way of source for energy um, you can take things like uh, medium chain triglycerides to help enhance that you can take further exogenous ketones the beta hydroxybutyrate to further enhance that as well so it's kind of a neat thing but isn't it kind of nice if you want to go and have a decent dinner you want to have dessert. I mean, I'm not adverse to that. I think it's good. Let's be flexible. Have have a glass of wine, a beer, whatever. You know, we're going to dip out of ketosis, but that's okay because we can dip right back into it as well. So that's kind of where my belief is, where we ride. Um, <clears throat> I think we could, the way if we want to fill, figure out our macros, we find the carbohydrate curve. Where we are, do we want to maintain? And, you know, this also goes for energy expenditure because Well, no, let's do this formula first. So the idea would be, okay, do we want to maintain? Okay, we're between 100 and 150. If we're working out a lot, if we're doing a lot of CrossFit or whatever it might be for running, maybe go about 125, something like that, or even a little lower. You can still do it because you're still training your body to utilize its own fat stores. Then we look at protein. We can go to 0.75 to 1 gram of per pound of lean body mass, right? And before you do this, you actually think about what your daily energy expenditure and what calories you need to consume then you top off with fat healthy fats so i'm going to come over some re- go over some research here i just spoke about exercising and working out and there's a few studies that have been out there and i've had the conversation um actually with uh some individuals in the crossfit realm uh can crossfit athletes do the ketogenic diet so the belief is no because they need sup- such immediate energy like carbohydrates can give. And, you know, if we're trained just to be carbohydrate burners and you're consuming your carbs and low fat, you go to the gym, you burn through that. We can only store about 800 grams, five to 800 grams in our body of um, glycogen, which is stored glucose at a period of time then at that point we gotta we deplete it and then we get that drop, right? So we gotta replete it. But if we can access either ketones or unlock our fat stores, a pound of fat's got thirty five hundred calories in it. I mean, you can still be super lean and have just a few pounds of fat on you and still have a ton of calories compared to that Only five to 800, right? So it really is an efficient source, and it's that storage vault of energy for us. So there was a six-week study carried out at James Madison University on the effect of a low-carb diet and a CrossFit program. 27 individuals separated into two separate groups randomly. One group was fed the traditional diet for athletes, higher carbohydrates, and the other a ketogenic diet, low-carbohydrates. The results showed that the group on the the low-carb ketogenic diet lost an average of 3% body fat and nearly 3 kilograms of uh, fat body mass. Now, here's the thing. What about performance? Turns out, so the ketogenic group, and this is shown time and time again, you lose more fat even when you're doing CrossFit. Men tend to lose it more than females, though. That is one caveat there. Um, But as far as performance... There was reasonable belief that a high-intensity workout, typical of a crossfit athlete, would require high carbohydrate intake for strength, right, and for energy. This study, though, revealed that both groups of individuals showed improved performance to the same degree in several tasks, such as pull-ups, squats, sit-ups, and stuff like that. So, it actually shows with a crossfit athlete that you can go on a ketogenic diet, and it's completely proven, and there's more and more research coming out as far as uh, extreme athletes being able to do that. Now, I will say everyone's individualized, and some people might just feel better with more carbohydrates to them, so let's recognize that, that's important. Now, I also want to talk about another study, and this came out, I read this in Blue Zones a few months back, and the headline is, Keto Diets Could Lead to Shorter Lifespan. So, as it said like any other fad diet, you can lose weight and see some positive results in the short term, but what effects does the low carbohydrate ketogenic diet have on the long term health? Recent research published by The Lancet studied the eating patterns of more than 15,400 adults in the US and another 432,000 people around the globe. Research has found that restricted carbohydrate levels replaced or supplemented by animal-based protein and fat sources could lead to a higher risk of premature death. The take home here. And we've always said a plant slant diet is going to be your best bet. Mediterranean diet shown this, all the diets around the world through the blue zones and all that stuff. So it's what we replace our junk with. So you have to look for the protein and the fats also through vegetables. This is basically to say, and I'm saying, I am not a proponent of being in a keto- a ketosis or a ketogenic state full time. Now you've got to dip in and out. You need metabolic flexibility, I believe. Now, I'm also going to say if we go into ketogenic, a low carbohydrate, we need to replace it with plants, plant proteins, plant fats. That's an important caveat here. It's kind of like a vegetarian saying, I don't eat meat, but all they're eating is carbohydrates and breads and stuff like that, right? So, I don't know, this is a little tip I want to share with you with uh, ratios of macros. Um, There's been so much stuff over the years, high fat, low fat, high protein, low protein. There's no simple one that uh, is aligned with everyone although I do think it makes sense if we look at our primal alignment how we've been how we've evolved and what's the most efficient and I think that makes a lot of sense taken in to the other beneficial factors of all the other indigenous diets that we know of around the globe so I think I think that covers it that's really want to talk about today so you know I appreciate y'all tuning in um, video audio and uh shoot me a question if you have any questions uh functionalpharmacy at gmail.com or if you see this on a blog post feel free to comment below podcast or whatever reach out to me socially you'll find me um rob Kress, frx functional pharmacist so rob Cress frx twitter instagram facebook love to see you there Oh, and also check in like Instagram and stuff like that. I've got my uh, daily 60-second wellness tips. People are loving them. I think you'll dig it. Have a great day. Thanks.